If you have your Bible, if you have an app on something, you'll be finding Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Today we celebrate what we commonly call Palm Sunday, also known as the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus, of course, is uh, in his last days of ministry on this earth before the cross. He's headed to Jerusalem. Jesus never loses sight of his goal. Jesus came to this earth to die. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to give his life so that we might have life, life eternal, life abundant. Luke chapter 19. Let's begin reading in verse 28. When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. And then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their robes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their robes, their cloaks on the, ground, on the road. And now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives... And the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent the stones would cry out. As he approached and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you knew this day, what would bring peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Let me share just a little bit of background with you first of all. Everybody knew that the Messiah would be enthroned uh, as king in Jerusalem. In fact, the Old Testament made it very clear that the king would do his work in the main city of David in Jerusalem. And so... People are waiting for the moment with, with anticipation. They're waiting for the moment that the Messiah enters into 
Jerusalem. Secondly, keep this in mind. In Jerusalem, the Passover feast was just about ready to begin. Uh, many throngs of people would be there in Jerusalem for that Passover feast. In fact, uh, historians tell us that it would not have been unusual for maybe a million to two million people to have been in and around Jerusalem during this time. And you remember the Passover, what that was, the Passover feast. God gave to the Israelites, the Jewish people, to remind them of how he had delivered them uh, from Egypt and from Pharaoh. And so you remember that uh, they were to kill a lamb without spot or blemish, apply the blood to the lentil, to the doorpost of the door, and when the death angel passed that way, he would pass over that house and not claim the firstborn. And so they were reminded, the Israelites are reminded at this fe Passover feast uh, of their deliverance, how that, that sacrificial lamb was given so that they could be saved. And now, here, Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain once for all to take away the sin debt. And then thirdly, think about this in the way of some background. The, the miracles, as I said, had attracted many people, crowds of people there in Jerusalem. And so the growing popularity of Jesus had really upset the religious leaders of the day. In fact, the religious leaders of the day had gone bonkers because Jesus had turned things upside down. And, uh, and so, so the religious leaders of the day loved Jesus so much that they were trying to kill him and nail him to the cross. That's what they thought of him. So, so I say that to say this, in this day and age, it's kind of hard for us sometimes to grasp the mood of that time and the setting of this scripture passage and this triumphal entry of the Messiah into Jerusalem. Because you see, they, the people in that day and age, they could not wait for the Messiah to come. And, and listen, and to free them from Roman rule. That was on their mind and hearts. They're looking for the Messiah to come, but they want one that is going to overthrow the Roman government, set up his kingdom then and there uh, to rule. And guess what? They missed it. They missed it. So here's the question I want to ask you. Here's the message today. The, the crowd meets the king. That's the title of the message, and you should have an outline there somewhere. Th think about this. How was Jesus welcomed in his day, on that day, and how can you and I welcome Jesus? How can we welcome the king? First of all, and I've given you about four ways they welcomed Jesus that day and how you and I can do the same thing as we welcome the king. First of all, welcome, they welcomed him with obedience. To start with, obedience. Uh, Luke chapter 19 verse 28 tells us that Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. 
So I picture Jesus walking ahead of the disciples that day on his way. He, he, he was there. He, he, uh, the Bible tells us in verse 29 that he had arrived with his disciples at Bethany. By the way, it was just a couple of miles east of Jerusalem. And um, he, he evidently was meeting at the house of some friends. A guy by the name of Lazarus, this risen Lazarus, was there. Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, were there. Served, Jesus was served the meal by those sisters. It was there, told us, Mary anointed his feet with expensive oil. The, the next day was Sunday. Jesus begins his final walk to Jerusalem. He's at a hill, a mount called the Mount of Olives. And so it was there that Jesus calls two of his disciples and he gives them a special assignment. He gives them specific instructions. Now, we learn from the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4 that the Messiah would appear on this mountain. Keep in mind that is also the place where Jesus delivered the Olivet Discourse. Keep in mind this is the location where Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the place where Jesus, the risen Jesus, ascended back into heaven when he went back to his Father. And so here they are. Jesus has given specific instructions to two of his disciples. And uh, what did he say to them? <coughs> Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, notice what he said, you'll find a colt of a donkey there. No one has ever ridden this donkey before, this colt of the donkey. Untie it. Bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying this donkey? In other words, what are you doing? Then Jesus says, tell them, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. And so we're told from the book of Matthew that it was a donkey. Now, there was a custom that day uh, in, in which... Uh, if there was a need of personal property, uh, if a dignitary, a special person needed that property for some personal reasons, then uh, they could take that property and use it. In other words, it would be like, for example, today we had a dignitary who said, I need a car to drive, and, and he or she came to you and said, can I borrow your car? Yeah, take it. The, the same idea. And so the disciples were sent to get that donkey. Uh, listen to this. Now, now, this didn't just happen out of the thin air. Jesus is putting in place a prophecy that was given, listen, some 500 years earlier in the book of Zechariah. Chapter 9, verse 9. Here's what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous 
and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So remember now, the people that day were expecting a Messiah, all right, but they wanted one that would overthrow the Roman government. They are waiting, listen, for a warrior king to come riding in on a white stallion. Get the picture? And imagine probably the confusion in their minds when Jesus comes in and they see the Messiah riding on a donkey. And by the way, did you notice, <coughs> excuse me, it was a donkey that was a young donkey and had not been ridden before. I wonder if anybody in the crowd just thought, huh, okay, let's watch this. This will be a good show. So you get the picture. Jesus is about to enter the city of David, Jerusalem. Not as a warrior, Messiah, who would physically conquer the Roman Empire, overthrow the Roman Empire and set up his kingdom. No, no, he comes as the Prince of Peace who has come, listen, to conquer the hearts of the people. The, the disciples had just been arguing about it because, see, they, the, the, the disciples, the 12 disciples who were close to Jesus, missed it too. They too thought the Messiah was going to set up his kingdom because they're, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus, when you set your kingdom up on this earth, we, we, who's going to be the greatest? We get to rule and reign with you. Yeah. So now... Two of them find themselves running errands, going to get a donkey, untying this young donkey and bringing him back. Wonder what was going through their minds. But here's the point I want to make in all that. They obeyed. Those two disciples, they obeyed. Listen, John chapter 14, verse 15 says this. If we love Jesus, we're going to obey his commands. See, we can talk a good game all day. Oh, yeah, I love the Lord. What are we doing about it? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to obey? So the disciples that day obeyed. Listen, Jesus was obedient. Even, the Bible says, to the death of on the cross our Savior our Messiah was obedient how obedient are you Wait, what is it that Jesus is calling you to today to be or to do that you haven't done yet see we, we welcome our King we welcome King Jesus when we are obedient. Obedient to what he would have us to be and what he would have us to do. Secondly, I want you to notice how they welcomed the king that day. They welcomed him with gifts. With gifts. I, I, I see three gifts that were given to Jesus that day. The first one was the colt, the donkey, the young donkey. Um, 
You know, and, and I don't know about the owners. They may have heard of the Messiah before. They may have heard or maybe even seen some of the miracles that Jesus had performed. Uh, and yet, they're willing to give up this possession. They gave it as a gift for the Messiah. By the way, somebody said, well, you know, how, how in the world did, um, did that colt, that young donkey... I mean, it, how did it know? How did to, to, to let Jesus ride without the donkey going wild that day? One little girl gave this theological answer one day. Little five-year-old girl, here's what she said. She said, because that donkey knew it was Jesus. So, the owner gave the donkey. The gift of the donkey. Secondly, the second gift is this. Notice it said that some of the disciples put their cloaks, that the outer garment, they put their cloaks on that donkey that day and then helped Jesus on the donkey. And, and, and then not only that, but as Jesus got on the donkey and rode the donkey on the way, the people began to spread their cloaks on the road in front of him. In other words, what we would say today is this. It would be like we, we, we would say the, they're, they're rolling out the red carpet for somebody. Same idea. The people were laying their cloaks down on the road as Jesus passed along on the donkey. The third gift that I see that day, uh, and, and you don't see it here in Luke, but if you go to the book of Matthew 21, which is a parallel account, of Luke chapter 19 it says they were laying palm branches see that's where we we get the day Palm Sunday so the people were actually cutting palm branches and laying down the palm branches on the road along the way along the path that Jesus was traveling on the donkey so it was a it, it, it was a common way to welcome a king that was victorious uh, when, when he would return from battle somewhere. And so this is a symbol also of joy and victory as they place those palm limbs on the road signifying, here's the king who comes to give eternal life. So the gifts of the colt, the gifts of the cloaks, the gift of the palm branches, all point to who Jesus is. Uh, a, a celebration. A celebration. Starting out as a celebration. Think about it. The, somebody said the coat was expensive in that day and age. The, the cloaks were essential. And the branches were an expression of joy. They gave gifts. They welcomed the king. What gifts do you have for the king? What gifts would you give today in order to welcome the king? Now that could consist of a lot of things. What could we give? Well, how about our time? 
for example. People give time to a lot of different causes. But normally God and the things of God comes down the list somewhere in the list of priorities. So for example, we could give our time. How much time could I give to the king? What about my talents? We say when a person receives Christ as Savior, they receive at least one spiritual gift, maybe more than one, I think, sometimes. But we have a spiritual gift that is given to us to minister and to serve others. And not only do we have that spiritual gift, but we have some natural gifts and natural abilities that God has endowed you with. Are you using what God has given to you to serve Him? Are, are you giving of your time and your talents, your gifts? But see, here's bottom line. He wants you. He wants you to put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, here I am. Here's, here's my gift to you. I'm giving myself to you. And in fact, the scripture says, right, in Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The only problem with a living sacrifice is sometimes they crawl off the altar. What can I give to the king to welcome him? Thirdly, they welcomed Jesus that day with praise. Verse 37 says, When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. So now keep in mind, this is not just the 12 disciples, because Jesus... Uh, at this point has many followers so this is not just the twelve the disciples many followers of Jesus and what did they begin to do <clears throat> praise him praise God in loud voices and so they, they just broke out into this spontaneous praise praise God sadly though sadly just a little bit later and those voices would be crying out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! The same people that were praising Him are now calling for Him to be crucified. Verse 38, they shout out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. By the way, this is a quote, quotation from Psalm 118. In the name of the Lord, it means simply that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming uh, in answer and according to the promise that God has made. He's coming in the name of the Lord. This is God's promised Messiah. And then in Matthew 21, verse 9, it tells us, that they included the word Hosanna. Hosanna to the Messiah. 
Hosanna, Hosanna means save now. Save now. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then something uh, that shouldn't be uh, surprising, the crowd was praising God loudly. The Pharisees, verse 39, come up to Jesus, and they say, Teacher, rebuke your disciples for this. Because, you see, it was offensive to the religious leaders of the day. Jesus was a rebel. He turned things upside down. The religious leaders of the day were offended. Jesus told them in verse 40. He didn't, he didn't rebuke his disciples. He rebuked the Pharisees. If, you, if we keep quiet, listen, there's going to be, you talking about a rock concert. <laughs> if, we, if we keep quiet, the, the stones, the rocks are going to cry out. They'll give praise to the king. And so Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. They, they welcome Jesus with praise. How often do you praise? See, we have this strange notion sometimes that we come in on Sunday morning and the praise ought to, ought, ought to be dumped out on our heads and we got it. Now, I said this a couple weeks ago. The, the praise when we come to worship ought to be an overflow of what we've been doing all week. It's not just a Sunday morning time of praise. It's not just songs and a sermon. It's more than that. And so we ought to be praising our King through the week. Whatever how you choose to do that. Through song, music, through prayer time. Read your word. Hey, this will make you happy. Are you praising him? Are you welcoming the, welcoming the king with praise? And then number four and lastly. Here's another way they welcomed him. They welcomed him. Some of them did by faith or with faith. So Jesus makes his way down the mountain, the Mount of Olives. He, he, he sees before him the entire city of Jerusalem notice what it says listen the mood shifts verse 41 as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city he did what he wept over the city of Jerusalem why Jesus wept listen it's not just a tear trickling down the eye down the cheek it's a sob it's a sob not Listen, and Jesus is not weeping because he's going to suffer and die. 
that death on the cross, that, that's not why he's weeping. Now listen, he's weeping for the lost. Because we, we know Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, let this cup pass from me. N nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so Jesus knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to suffer and die. But, and, and so that's not why he's weeping. He's weeping for the lost. By the way, there's two or three instances where Jesus wept in the Bible. He wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. John eleven thirty five. It's tears of sorrow. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Hebrews 5, 7. Tears of anguish. And then here in verse 42. He said, if you, even you, had only known of this day that would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Why? Because you did not recognize God's coming to you. And so Jesus is offering salvation and the people reject it. And so as a result, in verse 43, Jesus says to them, you've lost out on real peace. You've rejected the Messiah, the Savior, the Prince of Peace. And so as a result, here's what Jesus said, there's going to be some things that are not good things that are in store for the city of David. And by the way, that prophecy became a reality in the year 70 A.D., when Titus and the Roman legions surrounded the city and turned it into a pile of rocks, a pile of rubbish. The temple was destroyed and lives were lost. See, and it all took place because they did not recognize the coming of the king the Messiah, the coming of God. Consequences of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming judgment for those, in fact, today who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen. The tears of Jesus reveal a heart of love, a heart of compassion for people. Do you, do you know this morning that Jesus loves you? Yes, he does. Thank you, Lord. We, we, we celebrate Easter. In fact, next Sunday, we celebrate the empty tomb. The empty cross. But before there was an empty tomb, there had to be a cross. 
Jesus said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms and died for you and me. But our God did not stay in the tomb. He rose again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. King Jesus loves you. How will you welcome him this morning? How will you welcome him and receive that love that he has for you? Would you bow with me? Please, Father, thank you for your word that reassures us of the hope that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray should there be somebody here this morning that's never made that decision to follow Christ, never invited Jesus into their life, I pray this might be the day. Just by a simple prayer, act of faith, to say, Lord Jesus, I, I don't understand it all. I don't know all there is to know about it. But here's what I know. I know enough to know that Jesus died on the cross to pay my sin debt. And I'm going to ask him now to come into my life. I want him to be my Savior. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be the boss. I give myself to him. Now, if you prayed that prayer or something similar to that in your own words, if you're serious with God, he's serious with you. Maybe you're here today, you already know Jesus as Savior. Maybe there's some area of obedience that God's calling you to. Maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you're here today and you have a need. You just want to come and pray. You can come and pray. Somebody will pray with you. Father, you hear the heartbeats, the cries of your people this morning. I, I pray that we would simply respond during this time of invitation to what you're calling us to be and what you're calling us to do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? This is your time. If God has spoken, you come. We'll help you. We'll pray with you.